Hi, my name is Steve Taylor. Welcome to the ShareEd podcast, created by Robinhood Multi-Academy Trust. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Now, the focus today is on special educational needs and supporting those children who find learning a little bit more challenging. And we're delighted to welcome Grace Dooley, who's a Year 5 class teacher at Robin Hood Academy, and Katie Whitcomb, who's a Senko at Robin Hood Academy. And both have been pivotal in driving innovation in this really important area. Now, both are really clear that what we're talking about today is their experiences. They do not want to come across as experts or telling people how they should do their jobs. This is just their experiences at a time of national change and educational reform. And we thought we'd get it out there for everyone to listen to. So we hope you enjoy it. Okay, so welcome to the podcast. Now we've got here Katie Whitcomb, who is the Senko for Robin Hood Academy. And we're also joined by Grace Dooley, who is a year five class teacher. Now we decided to ask both of these to come in and talk with us because Katie's got a lot of experience in terms of working as a Senko and has got a psychology background. Is that right, Katie? It is. Excellent. It is. And Grace, you've been teaching for how long now? It's my fourth year now. Yeah. So Grace has been teaching four years. And Grace, what we've, why we asked you along actually at, at Katie's um, recommendation was you're really innovative with technology and you like trying new things to make um, work-life balance and to, to make things more effective and a little bit easier to, to manage, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So dealing with special needs in terms of home learning has been really challenging. I mean, it's challenging in schools anyway because of complex needs. But when we go to home learning, I think that becomes magnified by at least 10. Can you just start to talk to us, and maybe Katie can kick us off with this, about what the barriers we've faced since remote learning, and particularly lockdown three, has occurred? Um, So I think over the past six weeks, we've been on a bit of a continual journey, really, in terms of figuring out what works really well for children we send in terms of their remote learning um, but also the adjustments that we need we need to make. Um, so I think in terms of really it's been about thinking about each child individually. I think it's one size fits one really for, for a lot of our children with SEN. Yeah. Um, and it's been about us all being really reflective about what's working well and the changes that we need to make. I think fundamentally what we've done Uh, within the mat um, is we've had uh, a a remote learning offer for all children and then we've layered on so we've got a more tailored approach for our children with SEN Um, and the majority of children can access um, that additional layer of support but then we have other children where we have to personalize it even more so I think it's being um, flexible and being willing to make those reasonable adjustments for, for children and really thinking about how we make it accessible um, with things like assistive technology, which I know Grace is going to talk to us about. But it's that really thinking about um, and being willing to overcome those barriers, not just as um, within our classroom practices in class teachers thinking about it, but working with parents as well. That's been really crucial. The more dialogues we have with parents about their experiences during this time, um, the better we've been able to tweak our provision. Okay, thanks. And Grace, what about in terms of from a class teacher, what barriers have you seen where initially it didn't start um, so well and you've had to you've had to make those tweaks that Katie mentions? I think I think the difference is with the remote learning is that um, 
when we're in the classroom and a child is struggling to access something, you know instantly because you can see from their facial expressions or their body language or they'll just tell you. Whereas with um, like remote learning, you don't necessarily have that. So we've kind of had to do a lot of investigative investigative work yeah. to try and figure out what is the barrier? How can we kind of help these children access the work like they would at school? And I'd say that's the biggest one. So that so that that bit of instantaneous feedback hasn't always been there. What about, I mean, we're doing live teaching. Yeah, I take it, tell me about that. Is that still difficult to spot as much? Um, I would say, uh, yeah, it's still quite difficult because the children, while they're really computer literate, which is amazing, um, they're still, you know, they're on mute so everybody can hear. Um, and obviously you're kind of looking at 30 faces, which are often... The internet quality is not that great. So you can't always see those intricacies that you would in the classroom. So I do still think it's quite a challenge with live learning. However, it's a much quicker feedback from them. So some of the children have been able to say on, you know, on the chat function, I really don't understand or, you know, and I can spend a little bit of time figuring out why they don't understand and explain it to them, which is a lot more um, similar to the classroom experience, I would say. Okay, so thank you for that. So, um, Katie, when when we get to those situations where the class teachers, through remote learning, diagnose an issue, what what are we putting in place there to help and support that child? When Grace says, quite rightly, you've got thirty children pretty much overhearing the conversation. Have we have we come across how we're dealing with that? Well, well, this is where it comes in terms of comes back to the, the journey that we've been through over the past six weeks. So mm. from those conversations that we've had between myself, class teachers and parents, we've picked up that there are cases where um, we need to make those reasonable adjustments for children so that we don't lose their engagement and mo- motivation. And ultimately, what we don't want to do is affect children's well-being during this time. So we've been quite quick in terms of... Um, picking up those children that may need um, further support, whether that be through things like a tailored live session, further differentiation. Um, It might be that we've had to heighten the level of differentiation for some children just because learning within the classroom um, is very different to learning at home. So we've had to um, really think together, but like exactly what Grace would be a bit of detectives at the same time of picking up the, the difficulties or barriers that children may be facing and their families, and then really working together with the family to pick out what's going to work. Because what might work for one child may not necessarily work for another child. So, for example, we might have children that really, really engage with the live sessions. But then we have other children who might have, for example, communication interaction needs. And actually, that's really overwhelming for them. So we've had to think of other ways to support them. So it's been a very collaborative process involving um, class teachers because they're living and breathing it. Myself, from a, a strategic point of view, and also looking at the evidence and what's working well um, across many settings. But also, really importantly, talking to the children, getting their voice of what they need and the parents' voice because ultimately underpinning all of this is, is well-being. We've got to make sure that everybody's happy with what they're doing because then the outcomes are going to be better. Okay, yeah. And I think that you you highlight there about parents and that and that partnership. And uh, again, what goes back to what I said at the beginning about things being magnitude by 10, multiply by 10. I mean, that that partnership is even more important during remote learning for parents of children who have special educational needs, isn't it? Because I would yeah. imagine 
uh, have you seen heightened anxiety levels from from parents and, and needing your support yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen in the in the press and things, a lot of families are reporting they feel more isolated than ever because um, those support structures have been, they're still there, but they're remote. And sometimes yeah. parents just need that face-to-face contact or that daily contact. And that's, um, that's why I think things like the live sessions are really helpful for parents to have and children to have that face-to-face contact with their teachers. Um, it's been crucial parent communication at this time to keep those um, relationships going at Robin Hood we really really value our parent partnerships um, it's one of the parts of the job that I absolutely adore is keeping those parent partnerships going and it's been essential that we keep those going myself with families class teachers support staff so that parents know that, that we're listening to them and also that we acknowledge that this is a really difficult time for for everybody and that we really appreciate the efforts that families are going to we're trying to juggle um home working and children's learning and there might be more than one child within the household trying to juggle home learning so really listening to the parents and taking on board what they're saying and what they need and and making those adjustments as much as we can so what have you done to communicate with the parents then grace if you can come in on this as well what, what what have you done to make sure that parents do feel assured um, yeah, well, we will have like um, kind of weekly or um, fortnightly um, conversations with children, with parents. Um, we have emails come through the office and we can kind of give a parent a ring if they're feeling uncertain about something. So with regards to that, that's worked really effectively. But um, lots of people have been working together, as you know, to produce guides about how to access the classroom. And I think those are really important Um just so parents have a guide as well as the the children have a guide. So just even using the technology has been a hurdle to get over. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say those kind of the, the kind of multi-level um, communication. Okay, thank you. Katie, is there anything else that you've done from a Senko point of view on top of that? Uh, yeah, so um, all parents know that they can contact me at any point, either through our Senko email address um, or through telephone. Um, there are certain families that I keep in regular contact with just because of um, their child's level of need and keeping that um, support provision going so that we're ready for, I think in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about the reopening and when that's going to happen and making sure that if we're keeping in regular contact, that transition process is going to be um, a lot easier. I've, we've also been doing lots of signposting to um, the services within the local authority that can help support both with SEN and emotional well-being. And we've also offered um, a parent well-being um, virtual coffee morning session, which was really good actually to gather parents' voices around okay. this time and, and their experiences and what they need from us. And what was the turnout for that? How many did you get? Um, it was it was good. It was good. We're going to do it again next. So we um, aligned it with our school's well-being day because right. we're acknowledging that the well-being is for everybody. It's for the yeah. children, it's for the staff, and it's for families and parents. Um, it was really, really good, and it was good to gauge their voice, hear what they needed, um, and to keep them included as part of the process um, so that they know that we're also really valuing them. Um, it was a really, really positive experience, and I think sometimes for them to talk to you outside of the remote learning context, as in it's just to have a conversation about how are things going, um, I think it's been really helpful. I think everybody's experience, mine as well, is that this lockdown has been the toughest. So I think having that that shared reflection of this is quite tough um, has been really, really helpful for some of our parents. And just hearing from a teacher that actually if they have a wobbly day 
and they need to put home learning aside just for a day to focus on well-being, that's all right. So I think that's been really, really helpful. But I think making sure we're really present with parents and visible. And even if they don't take us up on the offer to meet and discuss, they know that we're there. Yeah, okay, great, great, great points. It's uh, I certainly have I don't know about you, Grace. You found lockdown three the hardest? I have. Like oh, absolutely, yeah. It's lost its novelty for sure. Yeah, so <laughs> at the moment. So um thanks. That, that's really good background. So if we move the conversation on and we start talking around what you've been doing to innovate then and um what technology and things you've been doing. Grace, can you tell us um, a little bit about that? Because you've been at the forefront. In the mat, we have something called uh, C2I teams, which is call to innovate teams, which people collaborate on. And Grace has been part of those um, and really paving the way for us in, in key areas. So if you can give us a bit of a heads up, Grace. Yeah, I, I, I've just, at the forefront of my mind um, has been kind of two ideas, really. It's more like... Um, how am I going to give a child as close to the in-school experience as possible? And how am I going to not make it? So it's loads more workload for myself. Yeah. Um, and I kind of was thinking, I actually saw a video of a girl on um, social media who was visually impaired and she was explaining all of the various technologies that she had um, around her house and on her phone, on her computer, about how she uses technology to help her get on on a daily basis. Yeah. So I kind of thought I'm going to do a bit of digging here. Um, and I figured out um, a, uh, a Google Chrome extension. There's so many of them um, okay. that was just a little voice um, note button. And at first it was amazing because it, it cut down so much of the um, workload in regards to typing out marking feedback for the children's work. And then I kind of started thinking, well, maybe we could insert these into the slides. So those children who normally I would read and um, something out again yeah. to them in the classroom, they've then got these buttons on the Google Slides that they can hear it read to them as many times as necessary. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I've been kind of working on that and like segmenting words for them to help them with their spelling. Um, and that's like kind of the, the start off with that. I've tried to, you know, had a look at um, a couple of more Google Chrome extensions, trying to find kind of dyslexia-friendly extensions and and so but, on. So, for people who have who are listening to this, what what is the Chrome extension that you use to do the voice recording? It's called Moat, M O T E. Yeah, it's been, it's been so, pushed out on Twitter a, a bit. I think I've seen seen it um, quite a bit. So that's been really useful. I mean, I like the idea that they can read it back a number of times, and you've been doing segmenting. Katie, have you seen others use Moat in any other ways? Yeah, well, I think um, Grace has been really fantastic in terms of sharing good practice across the school. Um, So it's been in terms of supporting the collaboration amongst the teachers. Grace has been really pivotal during this time with assistive technology to say that this is working. I've had a go um, and this is how it works. Um, So I think that's been really, really helpful. Grace did um, some training with some of our um, staff who were using Google Classroom for the first time. Um, and they really responded well to it because it was Grace sharing her experiences. So I think everybody's been sort of swept along with with Grace's enthusiasm for assistive technology, which has been brilliant. And for me as well, I'm always going to Grace saying, show me this, I want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been really, really good to, to have a chat with Grace. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been really, yeah, I can't thank Grace enough for what she's doing in terms of building that, removing those barriers of accessibility for, for the children at, at our school. Okay, thank you. Great. So, so Grace, Moat was one. What others, um, before I uh, interrupted, 
were you going to go on and uh, tell us about? Um, well, I, you know, I've, I've tried a couple out that um, didn't have the effect that I wanted to, but I've been um, playing around with an extension called Read and Write at the moment, which yeah. I know is um, really important for students, university students with um, dyslexia. Okay. But it's also an amazing extension because you can, um, you it's got a picture dictionary, it's got, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's got a translate option. So those children who obviously speak in different languages at home okay. um, have the opportunity to translate words um, very quickly um, into their home language which is not just important for children with SEND, but also children whose English is an additional language. So read and write's been amazing, but I'm still researching, <laughs> trying to find more. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Um, so that, we've started to see that innovation. What do you think long-term for um, for SEND, Katie? How do you think this, because it's not all bad lockdown three, you know, I've been talking about it with the head teachers and with our uh, Matt Central team. And it's kind of driven educational reform a little bit in terms of how we approach things. And I know it's a roller coaster at the moment and we're all pig sick and not being able to go and um, give our family members a hug and, and whatnot. But if we look at how we're going to support the children moving forwards, then there's massive potential. What do you think, Katie? Yeah, I agree with you. I think this time has been um, really good in terms of, um, CPD for teachers and I don't know about you but I've been on loads of webinars my, my head is full of um, some really good evidence-based um, practice and ideas which what I don't want to see and I don't think it'll be the case because we're a very forward-thinking innovative, innovative school and that is that it but it stays as a discrete piece of work from lockdown it stays in the lockdown vault what I'd like to see is that we carry on things and, and keep it going so um, as Grace described the platform that's the the extensions that she's been using on Google Classroom and the teachers have what I'd like to see is that carries on within the classroom practice so that children are using more opportunities for for typed work for using the text-to-speech tools um, and make, making sure that we're keeping that going because that's all part of high quality teaching and learning within the classroom. And for some of our children, that's going to be a real game changer, knowing that they can use the tools um, that they've developed in lockdown and use it in the classroom. Because ultimately, that's preparing them for lifelong learning and the world of work, isn't it? So yeah. what I'd like to see is that carries on and we look at it as to, OK, how can we use it in the classroom more effectively? How can we use things like that within interventions and um what I'd like to, I think the next step, I suppose it depends on how long this, this lockdown goes on for, for, yeah. for our children. I think the next step for us at Robin Hood is looking at interventions and seeing how we can make those work within a remote setting. Um, there are questions around sort of validity and reliability of, and the impact that you can show within remote methods, but I'd like to explore that next. Um, but I think there's scope for longer term work on this. I don't think it should stay as a lockdown three fad and then it, it moves on this is this is longer term yeah i agree i think that the potential for for moving forwards is um is huge grace how do you say it yeah absolutely i mean i even the first day of us doing the live lessons it was easier to navigate 39 year olds than it was my grandparents so you know i, <laughs> I was like, no to my grandparents they're very technology literate but um, <laughs> you know i was just so amazed about how quickly they adapted and how they just automatically they put themselves on mute and they knew what to do and they're just 
amazing because they've had this experience of I mean it's obviously not the the best experience having lockdown but it means that they've had that opportunity like you say to use tools use technology that they will be later on in life and it's really preparing them for the advancement of technology which is obviously constant and I just think they will have got a lot out of this technology wise um, and computing wise Um, but it's obviously up to us to kind of um, nurture the well-being at the same time yeah. yeah, and I've been thinking as well, we've been talking again centrally around, we're recording, we're recording so much content at the moment, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And what we're really looking at is, can we start cataloging that content? Because we've been, there's some so many good sessions going on from people. Can we catalog it? And can then we put it into an easily accessible database that essentially when we when a child doesn't understand the concept or they need a bit more support if we've got all of this digital digital content there and we make it easily accessible for children and parents can we utilize that i mean there should be a case now if ever a child goes home i mean regardless of whether they've got special needs or or not but if they go home and they haven't understood a concept if it works really well in theory they should be able to go onto our google drive go to their year group and look at a um, a lesson introduction for five minutes that goes through that concept again. So then the parents can watch it and understand where the chil- children where yeah. where they're understood. Yeah, and I think linked to that point, Steve, is that whole idea of um, like overlearning. There's a real argument for overlearning something in terms of to really get those deep connections and and longer sort of retention of it. And I think. Um, what's really worked for lots of the children, not just children we send, I'm talking to lots of parents where they're saying the recorded lessons have been really helpful at home that children can learn at their own pace. Um, We do, um, we have have lots of children that find it really difficult to be confined within the lesson time just because that's, you know, how they learn and they work, everybody learns at different rates and producers work at different rates. The fact that it's been at their own pace for some children has been really quite liberating so I think having a store where they could go back and think, I didn't quite get that. Everything's moving a bit quickly. Um, it was all a bit, um, there was lots going on in the classroom to be able to go back and, and re-watch that. I think for me, um, if I was, um, a tra- you know, at that, if I had that when I was at school, I'd find that really helpful because there were things where I think I just didn't get it and going back to it would be brilliant. Yeah, and also when you go back to it, if we, I mean, the main thing is making it so it's e- easily to navigate, but... If you think about it, um, sometimes when a child doesn't get a concept in class, you know, to put their hand up and to admit it with their peers, sometimes that, you know, if they're particularly shy or or whatever, that's quite a big thing. If you then have the the function that when you get home, you know that you can go to this bit and you can watch it again with your parent. I mean, I know that's making a lot of assumptions, but it does, it does take it back to the child's pace, doesn't it? Mm so um okay on that point sorry I was just going to say that I because obviously we've been remote learning effectively on and off for a year now nearly um I was making these modeling videos um on an app called Re, um right teach I'm just going to double check actually um and it was um I've now got probably about 50 modeling videos for various different learning objectives that I can put out onto Google Classroom or you you can't you're struggling with them I don't know compound sentences watch this video and I'm not having to remake videos because they've been made over a year so that's really useful 
Yeah. <clears throat> it's also good for pedagogy for teachers as well to think and for teach CPD. Because yeah. there's certain, you know, if you're going into a different year group or you're new to teaching and there's certain concepts that you think, I don't, I, I, I want to model this in a really effective way. How, how can I do it? Pulling on those sorts of banks of resources would be brilliant for, for building um, teachers' pedagogy. I love that, Grace. Didn't know you'd done that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's called, the app's called Easy Teach. So it's, Easy so, it's really, really quick and simple. And like I said, I've got over 50 videos now. So um yeah it's really useful and long term that does definitely make your job easier doesn't it because there are going to be basic concepts there that you that that constantly need underpinning with the children and if you've got yeah. those videos there i mean i so i, I mean, think to print off a um a, a qr code and stick it on the display board so the children can um scan it with their ipads um or their chromebooks and then in independence time that we have a robin hood they can watch those videos again. So there's there's so many ways to use those kind of banks of resources. Great. So what we're saying is the future is exciting. At a time yeah. when we're a bit down in the yeah. dark, the future is exciting. <laughs> yeah. Great. So um, I think we're coming to probably a natural a natural conclusion now. If can we give some top tips for people who listen to this who might be finding it a little bit more tricky with um, catering for, for special needs kids and supporting their families. If we can sort of do two or three top tips for people. Yeah. Do you want me to kick off? Go for yeah. it. Yeah. I think um, one thing, um, and this was something that was really discussed at a recent webinar that I attended around STEM remote learning, is keep it simple. Keep, keep it simple. And that um, that's really, really important. I went on a webinar yesterday about working memory yeah. And it's so important to keep it simple because otherwise you run the risk of just overloading children, families, and ultimately then that's going to have an impact on engagement, confidence. So keep it simple um, and also think about um, individual children and what's going to work for them um, and mirroring your high quality teaching and learning that you use in the classroom as much as you can. That's what I'd say my top three. Oh, and talking to parents and your senko. <laughs> Grace what about you um I'd say kind of number one Google's your best friend um you can ask it a question you would literally ask a person and it will tell you an answer and anything from how do I do this how do I fix my radiator how do I um how do I support my uh, child with dyslexia from home anything Google will have an answer for you I think that's a big tip and also like I said before um Think about what provisions you would give them every day in the classroom and how can you use Google Chrome extensions or whatever it is, um, assisted technology to um, replicate that from home. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for um, for coming in. Because as we record this, I mean, we started um, bright and breezy this morning, didn't we? It was sort of between half seven and quarter to eight. So um, yeah. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Now, one thing you did ask me to say, Katie, at the start of the podcast, and as you can imagine, I forgot, <laughs> um, was to really make it clear to all of the listeners that this is from your guys' perspectives. It's not you saying that you're experts or that this is the way everyone should go, that it's going to work for them. This is your experiences in your context, yeah? Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think one of the biggest learning things around lockdown with um 
supporting practice, um, supporting families and supporting emotional well-being for everybody. It's just been to talk and collaborate. That's something that's really come out of the lockdown in terms of for education. The more we collaborate, I mean, this is collaboration now, the more the more you collaborate, the more we're improving those, improving the outcomes for, for our children remotely. And as we talked about beyond yeah, to, I, to, I totally agree. So, um, so thank you so much, you two, for for giving up your time and um, for having such a positive, um, you know, uh, attitudes for going out there and finding answers and, and helping us um, improve things. So, thanks for coming along. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. Really hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Grace and Katie and me. Both of them are, I think, super reflective practitioners. And I think that brings a lot to any discussion we have. They always put the children first in whatever they do. And like many teachers, you know, that's the exact reason that we all went into the profession, to make a difference and to help children and families. So we hope that you're doing okay at this time and that this has proved useful. This has been a Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust production. As always, you can get in touch with us at Robin Hood Trust. And we believe at the heart of education lies collaboration. Until next time, catch you later.